0: The Carbs were everything around me podcast.
1: We're back once again for seconds. Darren Smith, who is known in the running community as Runner's Knees, has returned as we have unfinished business. Don't call it a comeback, he's been here for years. So, welcome back to the Cabs. Rule Fing Around Me podcast. Aaron, how are you today?
0: I'm very well, thank you for letting me out the coal shed. Um, keeping me prisoner for a week was a little bit cruel but uh, I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, thank you. I just hope you don't get Stockholm Syndrome because I do want to get rid of you after
0: we've been recording. <laughs> Fair enough, just get rid of me before Christmas, that's the way to do it. <laughs> just one less person to buy presents for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I do um, like a peaceful Christmas. Um, But um, I don't know if you um, picked up on the LLQJ reference
0: there. I I didn't, to be fair. Um, Whilst a fan (laughs) of his fantastic cinema works, uh, (laughs) including Deep Blue Sea, he's fantastic in that. um, I'm surprised he didn't win any awards for it. But um, other than that, you know, his his music, uh, not on my playlist, mate, not on my playlist.
1: No, no, um, I've got that completely wrong. You, you know, I did have um, this vision of you um, in the late '80s, walking around with a ghetto blaster and bandana around your head.
0: Yeah, you know, not not necessarily my part of Jewish North London. Um, however, uh, I did have a Jew throw at the time. It was quite large, um, which would have looked great with a with a bandana. Um, but no, no, uh, I got into rap, blues, rap rap music much much later. Uh, yeah, in, yeah about a year ago
1: have you got any photographs that you could um put on the old instagram of said Erdo? uh
0: unfortunately or fortunately no uh oh, I, I, I back in the day you know I used, you know it was, it was before digital cameras and everything uh it, it, all the all the pictures were um, were printed off you know I used to go to uh, to boots take your camera or take your uh, film and get your you get your pictures back and um and You know, I've had so many house moves over the years that all my old pictures have just gone. You know, I think I've only got like two or three of me as a baby now, and that's it. It's like I didn't have a past.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was a lot younger. I don't know how I came across reading it, but um, it was the Peter K. autobiography. You know, um, in fact, that was it. You know, on holiday, and somebody just passed it me. Do you want something to read? And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, throughout his childhood and teenage years, there was only two photographs of him. You know, that he could actually find to put in his autobiography.
0: <laughs> it's, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like that, you know, and I think the generation before mine have even less. So, you know, we reach a point where most of these people don't exist other than in name. So.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, just to get you warmed up, we're going to start okay. off with some casual questions. I love questions. a warm up.
0: I do love a warm up, you know.
1: <laughs> well, before we move on to these um, casual questions, what's your typical warm up? I don't do one. <laughs> Just go out.
0: I don't do a warm yeah. up. I don't do a warm down. My idea is, if I'm running for seven hours, I'm going to warm up at some time during that point during, during that yeah. period. Yeah, and and when I'm going to yeah. warm down sometime uh, whilst in the pub.
1: Yeah, sometimes how doesn't it? And you know, there is a lot of electrolytes in beer. Mm. Mm. So exactly. the um, casual questions—they are okay. not necessarily running related. So I'll number do one. If you had one superpower, what would it be and why?
0: Um, I think I, I don't know. I'd like to be indestructible, uh, as I get progressively older, uh, there's always a new, a new A campaign every day. I've got a hot water bottle on my lower back as it is. I have no idea what I've done. It's literally just day-to-day living, and I end up falling to pieces like i made at a Lego. Um, so I'd love to be indestructible. Uh, that would be great. Um, yeah. uh, I actually have, the, I have an anti-superpower, which is basically oh. where, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, this is the opposite of what you want which is, you know, if you go into like a toilet and there were three stalls there and you can hear sort of like the end of a, not like the end of a flush, but the end of the cistern filling up. And it's like, okay, right. One of these three toilets has been used most recently. That's not the one I want to go in. But my power, my anti-power is, that's the one I'm always going to choose by, you know, I will always go, oh shit, this is the one that they just used, isn't it? And even if I put my ear to the doors, I go, okay, it's not that one. It might not be this one. I'll pick door number two. That was a joke. That, that was that was a pun as well. Uh, it goes straight in, and he goes, oh, "Shit! This is the one that they just used, isn't it?" And that that's like, I, I just can't do it. It's it's my anti superpower. I cannot cannot pick the toilet that was last used. It's I don't know. Not that it's going to change the world massively, but you know that's why I wasn't invited to be part of you know the uh, the. Um, Whatever, yeah, you know, the Justice League. You know, what's, what's his superpower?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I don't think you're going to be able to sell the rights to that to Marvel anytime soon, if I'm entirely. honest. Well,
0: though. to be fair, Marvel wouldn't buy it, but DC might.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They're um, you know, they need to um, you know, revamp their um, you know, forte. And yeah, yeah. But you know, um, I, th- I think I've been asked this question a number of times. What one superpower? what I have and I'm absolutely stumped. And I, I remember being asked once and I said, I'd, I just love the power to open and close train doors because I've just got this thing about, you know, touching <laughs> the open and close buttons. It's like, I don't know who's touched that, you know, prior to me, you know, I don't know about the hygiene level. So yeah, that was my my um, one superpower. So you want to yeah, open train definitely. doors with your mind. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'd be happy enough with that, yeah. So number two, if any actor could play you in a biopic of your life, who would it be?
0: So uh, the the crap that I get from people, everyone seems to think that I am uh, Graham Norton's love child uh, at times. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at times I did, there are pictures of me that do look a little bit like Graham Norton, and back in the day when I used to shave, a little bit like Pete Tong, I think. Uh, so who would play me? Um... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't really keep up with modern actors, Um, uh, especially English ones. I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, It would mean someone who needs to go like in proper method acting to get me down, you know, down correctly. You know, to be fair, I mean, you're not not blowing my own trumpet. I think Christian Bale could do it. Um, well, he's,
1: he's a fantastic method actor, isn't
0: he? He is, and I think he could really get under the skin of who Runner's Knees is, to be fair. <laughs> and
1: then final question, what are you curious about right now?
0: What am I curious about right now? Um, I'm, I'm quite curious about... There was a Japanese spaceship that just took asteroid soil samples... And it, um, it the, the, the module landed in Australia, so basically you had all these Australians going to pick it up and things like that. And what I really like to do is where there's a there's a news story that we we tell from the Western perspective. It's mm. it's it's what I like to. I'm curious always about what the story is. From the other side. So, you know, I've, you know, I've seen like the, you know, the Australian newspapers and the Americans talking about the Australian newspapers talking about we've just done this. You know, we went and found it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm curious, about well, what do the Japanese think about this? They're the guys who put in all the effort, got the spaceship, flew it into space, uh, landed on this asteroid, took the soil samples, managed to get it to Earth. And basically a bunch of Australians in a Jeep go and pick it up. And they're the news story. Um, so be like, I just want to know, you know, what how are the Japanese covering this? So uh, that that's yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I, I, I briefly saw covered. Um, it's the Hayabusa two, is it?
0: Yes, exactly. I think that's the name, of it.
1: yeah. But um, I've I've not read um any um articles on it, but I just thought, you know, with the title of so this, I thought, well, what what purpose of, you know, did he did he want to achieve? You know, what did he want to achieve by the asteroid and soil samples?
0: No idea. I think it's going to be, you know, I think the yeah. uh, asteroid has like a like this ridiculous um, history. So it's going to tell, tell us more about the Big Bang and, and things like that based on the, the chemicals yeah. uh, within it. But I was just curious about what do the Japanese think about the Australians finding it? Is How is that covered more than anything? Because uh, it's like, well, yeah, it's definitely. happening over there. <laughs> and it's like, we've done all the science and they've just went and picked it up in a Jeep. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So, but, you know, oh, i don't know really. I, you know i'm actually quite curious about what's going to happen in the uh, the us uh, runoffs in georgia uh and i'm oh, desperate to know what's going to happen with uh you know next year's races uh but i will wait until they happen
1: oh yes definitely you know it's the un- un- unpredictability isn't it well I-, I think that's um you know for me it's like you know um, it's seen a resurgence of you know, um, my running journey, is like, you know, I've not been as reliant on races, you know, I know that we've got different, um, you know, journeys that we're undertaking, you know, but for me, you know, I was heavily reliant on medals, whereas this unpredictability and you know, I'm happy just to go out and, you know, run a half
0: marathon
1: or even marathon distance and not get too hung up without not picking mm-hmm. up a medal.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I went running yesterday, so, um, I'm following a training plan again. So, uh, oh, which is good. Well, we can talk about this. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do it from time to time because I just, you know, I think what I liken it to is that I, um, you know, when it, you become a grandmaster a martial art, then the idea mm. is once you've got as high as you possibly can, you go back to being a white belt again to learn uh, from scratch. And, and, yeah. you know, I've won 52, 51 marathons, uh, in the last you know since 2015 um so I kind of know how to do that bit and sometimes it's worth going back to the basics so I've gone back to week one day one of a of a marathon training plan and I think I'm, I'm just about to start week two at the moment I feel oh, good lovely. about
1: it <laughs> Well, we we can talk about that as well as what your um, vision is for twenty twenty one. But what I'm really curious about myself, uh, mm-hmm. asking myself that my own question, is the Abbott World Marathon Majors, the Big wow. Six, the Long the Path Six. towards the Promised Land. Yeah. As, you know, as well as um, you know, other people, um, you know, refer to it as reaching for the stars. So, in regards to the marathon majors. When will you finally reach the stars? And what have you taken from the world marathon majors so
0: far? Well, you know, the, the thing is that despite Berlin being my first marathon, um, I never really thought about the six-star finisher medal at all. Um, I, I would see it on, you know, from time to time on, on social media and go, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, and as mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a magpie, it's like, oh, shiny, shiny, I want it. But, you know, even though Berlin was my first and even though I did, you know, London in 2017 for charity and, and Chicago uh, in 2019, I, I still don't think I'm ever going to get there. You know, um, I, I got into Chicago and New York this year, but deferred both to next year. But then it's only going to be four still. And as far as I'm concerned, Tokyo is just too far and too expensive. And Boston, I'm never going to get a BQ. So when it comes to Boston, you just have to pay through the ass for like a, one of those tourist entry things from like a, yeah. a tour operator. You know, you're paying like, you know, 300 quid for the race and stuff. And then you've got to get the flights and the hotel through them and everything. So I, I really genuinely don't, don't think I'm going to get the six stars, even though I've got another 49 marathons before I draw a line under this, uh, this adventure. Um, still halfway to go but I still genuinely don't think based on those reasons that I'm going to end up with any more than four well um, with,
1: with um, Boston and Tokyo they're, they're incredibly difficult to get a place and I know that you know the Boston qualifying time is just something out of my reach and I don't think that I ever would be fine-tuned to have that dedication to try and reach a certain time I think it mm-hmm. You know, like it make other things in my personal life suffer just for chasing that time. You know, um, would would you say that the well, you know, Abbott World Marathon Majors, you know, they're heavily sponsored now, and you know, they're massively popular, and you know, they've become more popular within the last three, four years or so. Mm. Do you think it's more of a marketing ploy for, you know, um, Abbott to make money off the back of people paying over the odds on places? Because Tokyo is another difficult. You know, um, mm. you know, place to um, get a place in.
0: Yeah, I mean they're very expensive too. I mean, um, I think it's like New York and Chicago were, you know, nearer to two hundred quid. Um, you know, as for the mm. hype, look, I, you know, I've done, I did London, I didn't love it um, because you know lots of different reasons. The crowd were encroaching and all these other things that it was too mm. busy, aggressive pace packs, lots of reasons I didn't enjoy. I it. Also got injured uh, in, during it. still finished obviously um chicago and berlin i absolutely loved them from the seamless expos and getting your number the quality of the the merch you know the kit was fantastic the medal the support everything you got was amazing you know i can see why some people you know think that they are the the be all end all of marathons and they're brilliant they are brilliant um but as far as I'm concerned, you know, they aren't the be-all, end-all. They're just very, very good. You can't ignore them. Um, but are they a giant money-making scheme? I would rather give my money to the marathon majors than, you know, when Virgin Sports took over, like, Hackney Half and, and all these other races around London, Oxford Half yeah. and stuff, and suddenly started charging ridiculous amounts of money you know marathon money more than marathon money for a in inverted commas and i'm making the inverted comma the sign uh vip entry you know so you you get you mean while some places you pay over the odds for something and it's not worth it where you've paid over the odds for an abbott's marathon major you are getting arguably the best organized mass participation Mm. marathon experience from beginning to end. You know, Chicago was so fantastic. I entered it straight away this year. because I enjoyed it so much last year. Berlin, even though it was my first, I still think about how great it was. So, yeah, there is a bit of hype. There is a bit of money making. But then they run so well. They are running it for... The the people, you know, the runners, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's, it's something that, you know, I, I have that vision, you know, that, you know, I'm, I've am i not got a time cap on it, you know, about doing the World Marathon majors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was actually that guy who paid over the odds with a tour operator for New York City Marathon, mm-hmm. just on the basis that, you know, it's a place that I've always wanted to go back to. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, in regards to a World Marathon major, I would love for that to be the first one. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've got a lot of happy memories from New York. You know, um, but um, I, I, I guess I'm like a magpie as well. You know, um, with the expos, and you know, if I've, you know, got an inkling that there's going to be branded merchandise or a T-shirt that I can get hold of, you know, it's not me interested on, in, you know, what 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 numbers are on the price tag. It's like, well, you know, just give it me. And I'll
0: yeah, give it my take money. my money. Take my money.
1: Yeah. But you, you do make a very valid point, you know, in regards to um, all the sponsored halves or 10Ks, you know, which, you know, are, um, you know, varying towards the price of the marathon or even more expensive than mm. that. And I think we could um, actually have an episode in itself talking about, you know, um, Virgin, you know, um, you know applying yeah, yeah, yeah. their name to a lot of um, various events. You know, I think um, not they've moved on, country, though. I think
0: Virgin's given all their stuff away. I think ASICs are running them now or something like that now um because oh, you know there's
1: like, another episode in, in itself uh, yeah. about a6 as well
0: you know like the british 10k and the hackney half and the big half and you know they all mm. were so huge and massively over um so i think they got the lady who was in charge of the new york marathon for quite a while she came over to like pump all these races up and and it's you know i think it was I mean, they are. They met. They called me. They phoned me to talk to me about it for some reason. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, because I, I was quite anti it all, because it involved, you know, they broke down why it was so expensive for us. You know, it's like, oh, you are paying for this and this and this and this, and people, and I say, like, but I don't want any of that. I don't mm-hmm. want a fucking yoga class, <laughs> you know. I don't want this and that and bands or this kind of private toilets or paying for private um, bag drop and all these other things. It's like, it's a freaking half marathon. Turn up, run it, medal t-shirt, home. You know, yeah. and, and they were turning it into a, in, you know, quote marks again, uh, you know, it was an experience. We're turning it into a family weekend. It's like, well, don't advertise it as a half marathon then. Advertise it as a fitness weekend. Because if that's what you're selling, then that's what it should be called. And yeah. you know, and, and that's why I've kind of stepped away from a lot of those things, you know, VIP entry. Was it like hundred and fifty quid, hundred and sixty quid for a half? And is like, that you do
1: yeah. you do wonder what you um you know get for that extra expense because when I've looked at, you know, various races, you know, and I can use um Manchester Half as an example of that, you mm-hmm. know, that it's over fifty 50- 50 quid to run it, and you don't get a great deal. But it's like if they were to apply a VIP entry to Manchester Half, mm. you know, what actually, how much extra would you be getting for, you know, that additional cost? Which, you know, it's, it's quite minimal, isn't it?
0: It is, you know. I mean, when I did Brighton Half, I think it was Brighton Half, um, which again is one of these big, big races, much like Manchester Half. I think Brighton and Manchester kind of always are vying for who's the second best, you know, when it comes to the marathon. Mm and and their halves because you know both of them got big halves both got big marathons yeah obviously london's the biggest they're both very good i've run them both but um when i did brighton um i think i paid for it with my american express card because suddenly i got this american express vip experience Uh and what it meant was a a ghost town of a bag drop So, you know, a ghost town of a uh, a packet pickup where basically they had as many people as they did for the uh, for everybody else. And they were just standing there waiting for you to just, you know, waltz in. Here's my bag. Here's my number. Walk out again. Wow. I'm so glad I have an American Express. You know, (laughs) it was just like, you know, I I wouldn't have been bothered about it if I, you know, I didn't even know about it when I paid for it. You know, it's not like I bought VIP entry. But I guess that's what it's like. It's like, you know, you're paying to have, you know, your own baggage tent and a slightly cleaner set of toilets, you know, not not anything that you really need that desperately, I don't think.
1: No, no, definitely not. And, um, you know, it's, it's Brighton and, you know, I've mentioned Manchester and, you know, they are not the promised land, you know, just like Boston or Tokyo could be. And, you know, the difference between a lot of, you know, these, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them smaller events, but the much smaller cities in regards mm-hmm. to, you know, reputation. And, you know, they I've seen that they are applying a cost to a lot of these um, sm- smaller places, such as mm-hmm. Brighton and Manchester. And, you know, I don't begrudge, you know, the cost behind the, you know, marathon majors, you know, because, you know, if, when you are running one of them, you know, I can expect that you would get a very high level of organisation and professionalism. mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um but i just i just I can't foresee myself ever getting that boston qualifying time i think um, for me you know um, at my age and being 35 it's i think it's, um 3 hours 20 minutes
0: yeah i had people who uh, who had actually got i think it was i think it was 325 uh a couple of years back and they changed it mid year mm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> Just to below what they had got. Mm-hmm. They had looked, like, I got three twenty three, and they moved it down to three twenty. Not me then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it infuriated quite a few people. But it is crazy, you know. T- I mean, it's it's a great time, and anyone that can get it, I'm a my good mate Matt Bowman. He got it. My good mate Lewis Clark. He got it too. Um, fair play to them. These are fast boys. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm never going to get there. I'm happy to do a sub four. Uh, I'm never going to get BQ, so I'll just eventually, if I want to do it, I'll just pay through the arse and and do it via a, via a tour operator. That's the only way yeah. I can do it.
1: Yeah, and it will be for me. Uh, and you, you mentioned that the qualifying time has changed. I know it's changed um, a couple of times over the last five years or so, but I, I, I imagine that it's so frustrating if you're just trying to get the qualifying time to change it, but also yeah. frustrating when they decided to change it from a five-star to a six-star finisher, you know, event, you know, because in um, Tokyo, you know, I, I can't remember the year that, you know, when um, Tokyo was deemed as the sixth World Marathon Major. And I imagine mm-hmm. that, you know, it's only going to grow and grow and expand, you know, because there isn't not a marathon major on every continent now. And I don't know if yeah. Abbott are looking at that thinking, No, you know, they do they... one?
0: Uh, I was actually no, thinking okay. about it. That when you asked mm. me that question earlier, because um, I remember I think it was last year I was reading about how they were thinking about expanding it again. But they were, I think, they were ex- thinking expanding okay. it into Asia. I think it was Singapore they were looking at. Mm. And they already have Tokyo, obviously. Um, it's mm, a little mm. bit unfair. There were three in the U.S. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, uh, I, I I agree with you. I think that it, there should be one on every continent. You know, maybe mm. you should have one in Rio, maybe. Uh, Cape Town um, or Cairo probably Cape Town because Cairo is going to be too hot you know, Australia it's, it's just, you know it, it's at, at the moment I see them as six stars but much like people mm-hmm. who had five uh, and they put Tokyo in, I'm expecting there to be seven before I get there um, yeah,
1: yeah, it's probably going to be 8 another... or 9 for me. As, as, as long as they don't decide to um, have it on the continent of Africa running through the Atlas Mountains, because there's absolutely no chance
0: that I'd be willing to run that. Ah, oh, yeah, but it would be cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would
1: be. I, I just I just hope, you know, if it does um, ever um, end up um, running through the outlet, Atlas Mountains that there is not a qualifying time, because I just do not envision myself getting what qualifying are... time would be.
0: All of them are very flat. You know, outside of the bridges in New York, um, mm-hmm. it, they're all flat. All, all of the marathon majors are flat. Because if you've got yeah. to think about it, there's 45,000 people running it. A big chunk of them aren't particularly good runners. There are lots of charity runners, people dressed as fucking rhinos. And <laughs> these people aren't going to do anything that involves a massive incline at any point. So you know, I saw people struggling in London going up and down the underpasses. So I think, mm-hmm. and I'm expecting them to see that when I when we when you and I are running New York next year, that there will yeah. be people struggling going over the bridges, or getting yeah. onto the bridges because um, they are quite high. Um, so I think you know, if if there is a seven, it's probably going to be Singapore first. If there's an eight, they might do Sydney. Nine, they probably go to South America before they do Africa, but it would be fair for them to distribute it more evenly around the the world because at the moment it is very US-centric.
1: The Carbs Rule podcast is powered by Mountain Fuel, nutrition for runners, cyclists, triathletes and anyone taking part in endurance events. Their sports jellies and recovery drinks are refreshing and sit well on the stomach and their flapjacks are delicious and keep you going for longer. I'm personally a big fan and advocate of Mountain Fuel as they've enabled me to keep moving and have helped keep my energy stores up. You listeners can get 10% off all orders by heading to the Mountain Fuel website, mountainfuel.co.uk, and using the code It's All Good 10. On New Year's Day, January 1st, 2020, you wrote a <laughs> blog entry on your yeah. website titled leaping into the new year my Uh 2020 vision for the running year so i've got two questions the first one is Mm. did it age well
0: (laughs) now the thing is uh no is is the first and the quick answer to that but that was (laughs) my my plan for 2020 changed before that um i was planning to do some big like the Liverpool to Manchester Ultra. Uh, I was going to do some of the Centurion races this year. And I'd actually already signed up for them in this crazy haze that uh, I get into because I'm so impulsive. Uh, And I was already looking at my 2020 races and thinking, this is just batshit crazy. And I'd actually, Mm. before I even wrote that and got to the end of the year, I'd already cancelled my original 2020 plan. Uh, and then I moved on to my new 2020 plan, which is in that article. Uh, and (laughs) then that didn't even work out either. So it's sort of like in the end, and it was, I've still, you know, I've still got one more race to do, but in the end, even though there were seven months of no racing, I would still finish seven marathons this year. So, you know, it's not bad. It's just not, not not what I wanted.
1: (laughs) no, and I think reflecting on that alone, you know, the fact that it's, you know, seven, you know, marathon and ultra distances that you've managed to achieve is massive in itself. And, you know, there is so many silver linings, you know, to take from, you know, coronavirus, you know, being that one, you know, because it's made me reflect because originally my plan, you know, only ever having done the marathon distance three times was to do, you know, Manchester, Copenhagen the following month, Wales Trail Marathon four mm-hmm. weeks after Copenhagen, followed by a Maverick Race Ultra. And I just think hindsight's a good thing. I think I would have done. You got through them all and, you know, gone past those and uh, finished posts. Um, but, you know, it's uh, made me reflect on, you know, life itself. And, you know, um, maybe one day, you know, i would be part of the 100 Marathon Club. I just think it'd take me a lot longer. Yeah.
0: Well, I've done, I've done those races and, you know, I, you know, I, I, I liked Manchester. It was my second mm. and Copenhagen was actually my third so you know they're they're great races and you know maverick are a, a particularly good uh, organization so i'm sure the races yep. i haven't done any of them but i'm sure they're great i see i follow them quite closely on mm-hmm. instagram i'll probably do one sooner or later so you know and you're right you know it's, it's a time for reflection and it's a time for us to appreciate what we do have what we've done in the past and And to really appreciate what we get in the future. So as soon as we reach a semblance of normality, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, when we have meetups and we do these races and we see our friends and, you know, we cross those finish lines, that we appreciate them a little more after having them taken away from from, from us for a year. So know, that's what I'm
1: thinking. A, it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? You don't realize what you've got till it's gone, but you know, I truly have done. Um, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I do want to bring this up, but on, on that um, blog entry, you know, in mm. point 10, you said that you, you know, wish to end the running year completely happy with how it went. Now, I know <laughs> that there's been a span of thrown in the works, but can you honestly say that you're completely happy with how it went with the races that you were, you were able to complete?
0: Um, Other than, we talked about this last time, other than my completely dismal performance Mm. at Green Man 45, um, I'm actually happy with all the others. You know, I'm happy with, you know, the the races I've done to date. I wasn't happy with my time at at, uh, Beachy Head, which is a particularly difficult marathon last Mm. time out. But two races before that, I got a, a massive 50k PB. The race after that, I beat that. 50k PB. so you know I was I feel like there's been progression and I think that as long as you're progressing in some aspect of your running life and your life you know I used to feel that when I was growing up and you know when I was when I'd left university you know if you're, your life is kind of made up of your personal life your working life and your study and your hobbies and out, outside of work and yeah. as long as you're progressing in one thing rather than you know you are progressing so you know your home life's stable, your work isn't going anywhere, but you're studying for something new. Yeah. Or you finish your study and you're moving house. Or you are finish study and you're finished moving house, but you've now got a promotion at work. So there's always some advancement in one aspect of your life. And my running life is no, no different in that I if I'm not running any faster, I'm going further. If I'm not going further, mm. then I'm running more often or you know and it's or there's a whole new experience i've tried you know running over this or through that um and as long as i can see there's some advancement in one area then i see that as as progression and as positive
1: i think that's a fantastic approach isn't it especially you know at a time where running you know we do get hung up on times and speed you know but it's important to look outside of that and you know, look at what's on the periphery of speed and time. You know, and I love that. It's something that you know you you know strongly believe in, and you know, you even say you know when you go on your website, it's at the top. You know, you can't you know go you know go fast, go further. You know, it's something that I've adapted to. You know, and I think it's the journey that you go on as well. You know, if you just go for time, you're not really taking in your surroundings and seeing you know the changing canvas of the great outdoors that surround you.
0: Yeah, I get my money's worth when I won <laughs> yeah i
1: know what you mean yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i compare it to um sometimes i'm um, going to a restaurant it's like if i go to a restaurant and i'm in and out of my chair within 20 30 minutes i don't see that as a good experience so you know i apply that to a 10k half marathon marathon it's like the longer that i take doing this you know i'm going to become really immersed in the surroundings around me yeah
0: yeah 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 exactly well, exactly and all these people who just go sprinting the equivalent is of them just turning up and wolfing down their meal and getting the check and yeah and no one no one wants to go to that to dinner with that person
1: oh definitely not so the second question i've got um, yeah. in regards to that blog entry on the first of january january darren is uh-huh. what is your 2021 vision
0: Ah, oh, good question i've already i i plan my race calendar probably and i think i've said this before Mm -hmm. not 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 on our blogs but i have mentioned it before is that you know when a race is finished this year for example imagine it's a normal year then race entry normally opens next month you know after they've done all the you know all of the photos they have been sold and you know they've they've basically put all the medals and all the other stuff and and they sort of close it down for a while and then they open it up again for registration and my race calendar is ordinarily um they start as soon as race entry opens for the next year. So, um, I was already signing up for 2021 races in March and February for races that had finished in January and February. So Mm -hmm. my plan was always to run more. Um, I've done 12 and 12 twice. And last year, even though I bailed on 10, I ran 14 marathons and above. So um, this next my plan for next year is to want is to run 21 marathons and Mm -hmm. above, uh, of which I've got 16 deferrals from this year uh, uh, and a couple that I um, had already signed up for. So I'm mostly there with my 2021 calendar. Um, I think running 21 marathons and above in 2021 is doable. 14 yes. certainly was doable for me, uh, and because that, that included a lot of time dicking about and, and DNSing, not DNFing, DNSing, because mm-hmm. um, uh, I do that a lot, which gets me very angry, because it's my own stupid fault. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's it. I mean, it's going to be a slow, steady, uh, plod towards hopefully, you know, 70 something marathons by the end of next year. Um, lots of travel. That- um, I think I've got like Reykjavik, Tromso, uh, I've got Hamburg and Helsinki and two in the States. Um, I'm going to spend some time in South Africa with the family. So I'll try to, um, try to do one when I'm there. I seem to do well in the South African races, not comrades, but other ones. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's my plan. I think I'm going to make up for this year being so bad, but I'm not going to go crazy in terms of beating myself up and doing something you know i have friends who are doing like uh, the grand union canal which is a 145 miles in one go um i was tempted but luckily i walked around the block a couple of times and calmed myself down and decided that's not for me uh, so i will mostly be doing you know road marathons and muddy 50ks next year um with 21 being my aim
1: and that's brilliant and i love that you get to see new places you go on adventures around the world. And I I just really feel that there's a Netflix documentary in all of
0: this. (laughs) Yeah, no one's going to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. When you look look
1: at some of the absolute dross on Netflix and TV at the moment, you know, in regards to um, documentaries like, you know, the £500 man, I don't know if that is one because, you know, they're not my bag, but, you know, I do really feel that you you should document it somewhat, you know, through, you know, those visuals. And I know that you – You know, I have a fantastic podcast yourself, you know, which is tuned into, you know, I just love your storytelling, but, you know, just to bring that to life, I don't know if you can employ a PA or anybody who's handy with a camera.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe when I hit my hundred or the last few could make it like mostly retrospective looking at the journey and then, you know, am I going to get there? Oh, no, we'll have to see. Um, There's there's actually some really good running documentaries on uh, Amazon at the moment, uh, there's, uh, there's one uh, there's one about this race. They're like three massive ultras in Hong Kong. And there's a race where they kind of bolt them all onto each other. That's that's a, I can't remember its name, but that was really good. And then there's this one about this lady, Fiona something, uh, that's on Netflix as well. I think it's called Running for Good. And she's actually missing one of her kneecaps. But she, uh, she runs all over the world. And, you know, she basically because she's learned to run missing a kneecap, she has got this very strange but constant style of running that means that she signs up for races like she did the the Arctic Marathon. And she was sixth. No, she won. Did she win? I think she won. Uh, And then she did all these other races like MDS and things like that. And she was just like, she's always placing, you know, in the top tier. Uh, I can't believe it's called, I think it's called Running for Good. It's on Amazon. It's definitely yeah, worth
1: checking yeah. out. I have I, I, seen both of I them. Mean, is the one in regards to the Hong Kong, I think, is, is it the Four Trails Ultra Challenge yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I have seen it there. But yeah, and it's like, but you know, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, you know, we're, we're living in a, in a running influencer world. And, you know, if you're not if you're not up for a Netflix documentary, Darren, you know, you got to take your show on the road.
0: Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. I haven't. I haven't got enough followers. They're saying that there's some. There is. You're right. There is some crap on uh, Netflix mm-hmm. and Amazon. There's a lot of crap on Amazon. I mean, our oh, goodness knows why I pay for it. Um, you know, when you see the IMDb rating on some of these movies is like two. yeah, And you're like, it's out of ten. What, is, what am I watching? Uh, <laughs> no, and I, I'm
1: guilty of that myself. But um, Amazon, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, I pay for it alone just for The Boys, which is a fantastic superhero series. Oh, yeah, absolutely series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So um, what, what I'm interested in finding out um, about yourself is, um, you know, we touched on this during the last episode and I know that you said that running a marathon is the pinnacle of running, and it has been for you in the past. Do you think that there will ever be a point where you will, you know, like a point, you know, during your running career, where you can finally say, with conviction, I have reached the pinnacle of running?
0: I haven't reached it. Or have. You kind of dipped out then.
1: (laughs) No, just I'm saying, do you think you'll ever get to the point where you will be able to say with conviction, "I have reached the pinnacle of running."
0: Um, if I qualify for Boston via time, maybe, um, but that's unlikely to happen unless they allow me to time me driving. Or uh, there's actually a downhill marathon in Andalusia in Spain. In
1: yes, Granada. I've seen this. Yeah.
0: Um, so you know, I, I you know I, I don't ever see myself as reaching the pinnacle of anything. Um, mm-hmm. especially running. Um, I'm happy to be mid-pack um, because <laughs> as a mid-packer, it, I am happy that I may be not the fastest, but I'm probably running more races. So, <laughs> you know, we've all got our own goals. My goal isn't to be the fastest. It's not to, to do anything else other than plod my way to my to my goal of 100 marathons.
1: And um, what would you say that, out of all these marathons and ultras you've taken on, are the top three that you would recommend other people taking part in?
0: Well, I was thinking about this because, you you know, you and I mentioned last time about, you know, what would I recommend? And if I was going to recommend, if we we do the distances, um, if I was going to recommend doing a 10K, for example, you know, because obviously you have listeners that are at different stages of their their running journey, uh, much like we all are, much like you and I are. Um, If I was going to do a 10K, then my personal favourite is the first one that I ever did. I actually ran it four times in total, and I never do that. And it's the London 10K. And this is kind of like a mini version of the best bits of the London Marathon and the Royal Parks put together. And, you know, it takes Buckingham Palace and the Mall and and Westminster and the parks and the embankment. And one of the years it got as far as, you know, Tower Bridge and Tower of London. It has the big organization, you get the great medal, Mm. Uh, you know, you get the T-shirt and things like that. So, and I stopped running it because, you know, it was getting samey after four years in a row. But if you are starting out in your journey and you've done a few more parochial, smaller races, then... For 10Ks, this is the London Marathon of 10Ks. Um, Not to be convinced with the utter dog shit of the British 10K, um, (laughs) which is later in the year and has a terrible route and is far more expensive and is far worse in its organisation. But I would say for 10K, sign up for the, the London 10K. For halves, remember that I did you know i've done 50 halves i think it is in total i did 25 in 2 years leading up to my mm, first marathon mm. and the one that i that really stuck with me even though i've done quite a few good ones um in the uk uh, i've done a few of the rock and roll ones i did liverpool rock and roll liverpool they're always very good uh, dublin's just been canned and edinburgh already has been so i think uh, i didn't know Rockwell's... about
1: that dublin I'm, I'm, so it's been canned yeah yeah Okay, Uh, because I'm signed up to that.
0: I had absolutely no idea that it had been canned. Yeah, well, uh, a mate of mine, uh, Barry Taverner, uh, he was signed up to do it, and he messaged me, uh, I think it was last week, week before, um, to say that it's been binned, which is a shame because I really loved that race. It was one of my first overseas... uh, Halves after i'd done amsterdam and paris i think i did dublin in the august um but the one i would recommend um is the disney wine and dine half in florida in fact i would recommend any of the disney races so i know you really are paying through the ass but they are mm. magical the year that i did it the wine because they have to wait for the um they have to wait for the theme park to close so they start at 10.30 at night, or mine did anyway. So you're running in the humidity of a Florida night at 10.30 through all the different zones or lands or whatever they're called uh, in the Disney, um, the Disney park. And every mile, there's a photo opportunity for you to take your photo with the Disney characters. So, you know, and this, the year I did it was the year they bought Star Wars. So I think it was like halfway, and there was suddenly Darth Vader and a battalion of stormtroopers to have your picture taken with, uh, which is quite amazing, to be fair.
1: That 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 is amazing, you know. And I've I've actually bought myself a new own Christmas jumper that says "Mary Sithmas on it. And uh, for <laughs> anyone listening, I'll, I'll put it in the um, short episode um, notes. But you know, your latest episode on the Hundred Marathon Club podcast. You know, documents. Um, you know, um, half marathons. It does. Know, titled Time, which you know, I thought it was fantastic, snappy episode.
0: Thank you. Um, but that I mean any of these Disney ones. I Me mean, personally, I wanted my picture taken with Lilo and Stitch, uh, who are my favorite Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but unfortunately, when I got there, and I was one of the first ones to to reach Lilo and Stitch, uh, I sort of stood between the two of them, and the photographers taking all these pictures. And then as I ran off, I realized, yeah, but her flash didn't go off. <laughs> so, so unfortunately, I never got pictures of me at the Disney wine and dine half with Lilo and Stitch because of the incompetence oh, no. of a race photographer. But anyway, halves, I would do a Disney or a rock and roll. They're both superb. For marathons, you know, the one I would always say people should do um, is Athens, you know, it was the first marathon mm-hmm. I ever did twice. This is the authentic marathon. This is the original marathon. Yeah. I did it myself back in 2016, and la- year before last in 2018, I got a big crew together and we went and did it together, because it's such an experience. You know, you um, you are bust out to marathon the marathon the town you know uh five o'clock in the morning yeah. uh, you're listening to them telling you the history of it uh Fiedipides, i think it is i can never say it right uh the, the guy you know you hear about all the history yeah. and you get there yeah. and then you're in this amphitheater um which you know running track has got the olympic flame there and everything surrounded by olive groves as the sun's coming up and and then you you run i mean the race is pretty you know it's one side of the motorway all the way to athens but you as you leave marathon you have all the locals come and give you olive branches to carry with you in Syria. yeah seeing that and then when you get to the end you know you sort of hit mile 20 something and then it goes straight downhill into town uh, and you got the acropolis you know in the distance and then You sort of hit the park, and then you're at the Panathenaic Stadium, which is the finish, this massive marble horseshoe-shaped stadium. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: it's incredible. It's unlike anything. And, you know, I'm talking to, you know, I was with, like, very seasoned marathon runners, and they were all talking about how they they choked up as I hit that stadium because of what it is. And, you know, if I could, I mean, it's not expensive either. It's more expensive post-Brexit, but um because it's gone up to like 100 euros or something yeah. but it's it's unlike anything you're likely to run you know if i went and ran atlanta or baltimore or seattle or or paris or all these other big city marathons other than the what you see as you run along they're pretty much the same whereas this it's it's unlike anything you're likely to run that's what i would say yeah
1: and I've seen so many photographs, you know, the finish where you go into the stadium and, you know, you got people, you know, in the stands of the stadium cheering you on. And, you know, it's just so many beautiful shots. And as you've alluded to, Darren, you know, it's the history, you know, behind the marathon, you know, the fact that it's, you know, in the place where, you know, the marathon was, you know, deemed to, you know, be founded. You know, it's fantastic. And, you know, it's just so historic. Mm hmm. Yep. so um I mean, what i want do that, to right? know <laughs> you should definitely do that. <laughs> yeah it's um quite late in the year as well isn't it that it takes It's uh,
0: yeah it's um uh first week of November. So you you won't be able to do it next year because we're going to be in New York. Oh no. But um no. uh it is that week I think it's normally the first week of November.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and um, relatively easy to get to as well.
0: Oh you know, as it's it's to a cheap to, weekend. Always... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all did it. We were there for four days and stuff. So, you know, cheapest chips.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that we could talk much more about this about, um, you know, you took a crew with you, you know, what happened the night before and the night after the marathon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Drinking. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, I, I want to know what are the free races that
0: you would not recommend? Um, before I mentioned the three races that I would not recommend, I just want to say there are also Marmite races that are out there. These ones that people either love or people hate. Um, and I think the two biggest in this country, and you, know, you can uh, agree or disagree, and I'd like your opinion on it, I think the two most Marmite races in the UK are the Great North Run and London Marathon. Mm. Because I think people either absolutely love them or absolutely hate them. And I don't think there's much middle ground. I mean, I I wasn't a fan of London when I did it. I wasn't all that interested in doing it. It's just local, so it's easy to get to. The idea of entering a ballot to get into the Great North Run is anti-everything I think about running. So, And I know people that have loved both and hate both, or love one or hate one or whatever it is. Um, So what do you think about that? (laughs) No,
1: no, I am in agreement with you. But, um, you know, there there is those mite races as well, isn't there? And, um, you know, as much as I love Maverick, you know, as organisers, you know, it was through my own wrongdoing this and just not preparing for it. But, you know, I turned up on the day, you know, it was a 16-mile race. And I thought, oh, um, 3,000 foot of climbing. Yeah, it's hefty, but, you know, it's manageable. I just completely read it wrong because we went through to the race state village and it was actually 3,000 metres. So that will be
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just like went into that, thinking, yeah, it's going going to be a, relatively straightforward. It's going to be a breeze. And, um, yeah, I felt like turning around and going home, but I thought, you know, I've travelled um, two hours to get here. I've paid and I'm just too stubborn and, you know, frugal to, you know, wave goodbye to it. And I'm doing all I can, you know, do, you know, p- possible to get that big, chunky piece of bling
0: absolutely um so to answer your question which are what races would i not Mm -hmm. recommend now the thing is the funny thing is that the one i first of all never recommended to anybody was the portland coastal marathon because it's so fucking grim uh but everybody goes there now because they want the experience that i had of like you know ridiculous elevation wet steps you know barbed wire dead rabbits horrible natives uh, and we're going back next year for a third running of it just because it's so in grim um but that's actually race a race that i would still consider going back to the ones that i wouldn't are the british 10k that i mentioned earlier it's basically an expensive 10k in london that doesn't have the organization of the london 10k it has a far worse route it's sort of lots of you know switchbacks on the same road, and and it's messy and it's ugly. And my issue with it was always that it's, it's they don't have waves, so it's you know first come first served. And if you're stuck waiting for an hour to get over the line, it's only a ten k, you know. And then within five mm. yards, you've got people walking side by side because they're doing it for charity. And fair play to them for doing it for charity, but but wait to the end, you know they should have timed waves based on how fast you expect to do the race rather than just, just mm. let it be a free for all. Um, it's also expensive and I was never a fan of that. Um, as far as expense, we have already mentioned it as well. The hackney half. Um, I did this like when it first started, I think, and I didn't like it then. And it was just a race around East London in a, in a not particularly nice part of it. um, a bit around the Olympic Stadium was okay, but the rest of it was pretty grim on a very hot day. And I thought, yeah, this is quite crap, but I'm going to finish because it was in my early days of running. But since then, it's kind of become this incredibly expensive race that's massively over-marketed and oversubscribed, and is a fitness weekend, inverted commas, for the family. Yeah. And that's not what I'm signing up for. But I think the strange one that I wouldn't recommend um, is the Wall. And the wall is a two-day ultramarathon on both days from Mm -hmm. Carlisle-class castle to Newcastle and the Millennium Bridge. So literally it crosses the whole of the the north of England at that point. Um, So it's like 70 miles or whatever it is. Um, And my issue with it was kind of that I mean, I don't like being mollycoddled by by organisers, but I do like some sort of safety. And this was the wall, okay, because it's running along Hadrian's mm-hmm. Wall. Yes, we didn't see any wall for the first three hours of the day, and then it was only a few yards of it. Um, the the signage was dreadful, um, and day two was mostly on quite busy A and B roads with no paths. So, you know, we're not seeing any, any of the wall on day two. You are massively overly concerned about getting killed in traffic. The signposts aren't telling you the right distances anywhere because um, they kind of, the, the, the race pack just had map coordinates. The website told us one thing, the signposts told us another, and the, and the marshals told us something else um the the checkpoints were like really wide apart if it was your first ultra you don't want to be running for 20 miles before you see the first checkpoint kind of thing really so so yeah and you know on the way and and there was kind of a foreboding there because rachel (laughs) and i were heading to the the expo to get our race packs and stuff we met this guy Mm. and he'd run a load of their races i can't remember the name of uh, the yeah i think is it is it rat race it is it is it is it is and the guy the guy was basically he said i've done a load of their races but i'm not doing them anymore and i was like well why and he goes well you know i I don't think you get your money's worth i think they're actually quite expensive for what they are and Mm. and he, he you know and i i had no i had no you know point of reference and, but the guy was like, you know, and he was saying that, and he'd run all their races before to that point. And after running day two and, you know, hating most of it until you actually get into Newcastle itself and you're running along the Tyne and you've got all the bridges and it's kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm. Up to that point, it wasn't brilliant. It really wasn't. You know, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, the only reason I would recommend it is if you want to do a two-dayer. You know, because there aren't loads of two-day ultras out there. But personally, I probably, I would, certainly wouldn't do it again. And I'd question anyone that signs up for it. Um, I'd just say, go and read my blog, because I wasn't a massive fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you, you do. Um, I, I always compare it sometimes, you know, like lo- longer races. Well, pretty much anything from 10K, you know, and, um, and a few of the ultras that I've signed up for next year, you know, I'm really looking forward to you know training for the ultra distance which i've been told just get out and spend time on your feet don't Absolutely. get too hung up about training for um, plans just get outdoors you know even if it means you're getting out for a full day you know mm-hmm. and part of it is walking or oh, majority of it is walking and you're mm-hmm. doing some running that's fantastic you know and i compare like you know what what cost you, am, am i getting for each mile here and i know mm-hmm. that rat race you know I've, I've heard a lot of good things about them as well um but you know i, I think about that there was a 20 mile race early in the yeah that I did which were down a canal towpath. Thought, yeah it's going to be fantastic this you know it's going to be straightforward and there were only one checkpoint and I thought well you know there's a checkpoint I'm not doing my research you know it's going to be you know around halfway mark you know it's going to be great go to get some fuel on you know see if we've got any gels I'll just have whatever they've got and it went until mile 40
0: mm. and
1: then we turned up there and they said oh um, We were waiting for um, the the organizers' advance to turn up with the gels and water and they're not turned up. So it was just like a couple of tables with nothing on it. (laughs) um, You know, a a couple of volunteers cheering us on, which I felt sorry for them. You know, checkpoints and, you know, the signage were all over the place. You know, it should have been down the canal toll path for the full 20 miles. And, you know, it only ended up being 11, 12 miles. That actually was. And we got to the um, finish line and they said, oh, um, we've not got any medals either. So brilliant. (laughs) So what I've actually signed up for could have, I, I could have put this... Event on myself but just run it, you know, you know, in isolation because it was just a canal Path run, you know. And but yeah, you know, I do look, you know, you know, miles, miles per, you know, pounds, you know, whatever the cost is. So what we'll do, Darren, is just move on and ask you, you know, a few questions, you know, which we didn't get around to, you know, having a chat about last time we touched base. So I'm quite mindful around. You know, and people's mindset, you know, when they're training for these big events, you know, such as ultras and actually taking part in an ultra, you know, we're talking about, you know, we spoke about, you know, failures in running and what you learn from it. But, you know, and you've touched on, you know, the fact that in, you know, a previous career that you were on long haul flights and you thought, you know, if I can get through that, you know, I always end up getting to that final destination, regardless of how easy or, you know, challenging being crumpled up in a seat actually is on a flight. So, you know, what is the what, what advice have you got for anyone listening? Um, you know, who gets in that dark place where they're thinking, I'm gonna throw in the towel and you know, I know there's absolutely no shame in DNFing, but if you're in that because I'm sure that you've been in that dark place many times before where you've come out the other side and you thought, you know what, I've done a good job here. So what, what is that piece of advice that you would give when the going gets tough?
0: Um good question. I think that you need different things in your arsenal i don't think having one potential solution is ever going to help um for me it's knowing that okay you've got your phone with you therefore there are people at the end of the phone you know you've got your loved ones at the end of the phone you've got twitter you've got instagram you've got Facepage. you've got all of them there and you can literally if you want And when I when I was like in the darkest of places, uh, uh, Waste of the Stones, like 80 kilometers in, it was like 10 o'clock at night, pitch black, surrounded by people at a checkpoint who aren't going to go anywhere. You got to think about this as who can help me. You know, you could obviously help yourself, which is great. You need to have the mental mm. fortitude to do this anyway and the physical strength. But I went onto Twitter and just said, look, I'm, I'm, thinking, of, I'm thinking of quitting. And people mm. are just replying to me. I, I tweeted, I, I, I WhatsApp people and I said, look, I'm thinking of quitting. And then they come back. And what you do then is you just start walking. Because remember that it's about forward motion. And once you are out Mm. of that checkpoint and that comfort zone of the checkpoint, then you've got to keep going to the next one. So if you're going to the next one, you can still walk it, walk it, talk to your partner, your friends, your running buddies, your coach, anybody, and do it via the phone. Call people. You know, my brother hated doing the London Marathon so much. And all of his photos have him on his phone, clearly talking (laughs) to his wife. So, so she kind of got him through it. I got him into it. She got him through it. Um, so that's one thing I was, I'd say, you know, have, a, have, have an array of things that can help. You know, have a lot of these, you know, um, weapons in your in your arsenal. You need one to have your phone and you need people at the end of it who can talk you off that ledge. You know, you also have people around you who who are going through the same thing as you. You know, when I did waste of the waste of the stones, uh, I met a guy at 40k. He was having a bad time. He was limping through it. I just slowed down, and the two of us walked and talked for an hour. You know, when I did Fire and Ice um, across Iceland, on day one, uh, a friend of mine called Jane, who's a runner from Hull, she um she fell over. And cut her arm up quite badly and even though I'm a massive hypochondriac who hates the sight of blood I kind of helped tape her up and and put bandages on her arm and then the two of us you know sort of ran together that day and and then we kind of just kept each other company for the rest of the rest of the race so you know there's that and then there's obviously there's your music um and it's not mm-hmm. just music once you've got the mindset that all I gotta do is keep going have things that aren't music have audiobooks or audio plays or or podcasts or anything listen to you know our last podcast was like 90 minutes long you know if you're in a in a predicament where you know you need you've got 10k to the next checkpoint you're in a really dark place put on 90 minutes of podcast and just walk no one cares about your time <laughs> yeah. You know, in 90 minutes, you're going to get there and you're probably going to hate you and me a little bit more, but it's you'll still do it. And your time, your mind has been taken off of or well, mm. taken away from whatever it is that is causing the darkness. Um, and, you know, it, you know, I've still DNF'd. I DNF'd once this year. But I, I think when I, when I DNF'd um, Green Man 45, I think it's because I knew that I was never going to make up the time that I'd lost um Mm -hmm. after after losing my shoes and falling over and cutting myself and all these other things that went wrong at the beginning i was actually so far behind the tail runner that i was never going to catch up and then i still would have had Mm -hmm. you know 40 miles to go um i used to have have a recurring dream of race dream about that where i'd always arrive late And I've still got my bag with me I'm not even changed into my clothes and everyone's already started (laughs) and I would then have to like get 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 rapidly changed and then I'll go running and realize I haven't got my bib on kind of thing (laughs) and because I'm so far behind everybody I would then just have to give up and walk back dejected um so I think you know it's it's very personal how you deal with DNFs um for me you know comrades was my a race uh old tracks was you know unlike any other race i'd done green man 45 was my last race before lockdown and you know it, it's it's how how do you get over get over having that disappointment and i think actually feeling that disappointment at least once will make you reconsider dropping out you know it doesn't make it easy yeah you know, I think, oh, yeah, I bailed one. Yeah, I bailed another. Yeah, oh, yeah, I will bailed that other one. I, I don't mind bailing this one. Um, you know, does it make it easier? Well, it depends on the individual. It doesn't make it easier for me to DNF any more races. It makes me second, uh, give it a second thought and go, you know, I could DNF, but that's how crap I felt after those ones. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to keep going. You've
1: you got to take that into consideration, haven't you? You know, you do do have to take that into consideration. And I I, I hate that quote, failure is not an option. It's like, well, yeah, it is a fucking option. It's a narrative of what could happen. You just can't rule it out, you know. And the, the, the mind is, you know, such a powerful tool. But you have made such an important point there that it is important to also have allies around you at the time. You know, just befriend someone because the likelihood is they're struggling in one way or another you know, Mm -hmm. as well as the voice on the end of the phone. But I I think what's important is to keep things simple. Don't overcomplicate it. You know, um, running is difficult anyway, regardless of where you are, you know, on that Mm -hmm. scale of whether you're a relatively new runner, you've never ran before, all the way through to someone who's elite. It's like, you know, there's people who are on the start line who are elite runners and elite ultra runners. You know, it's Mm -hmm. still bloody difficult for them. I mean, like Damien Hall, when he took on the Pennine Way, Fantastic that he brought the record that Romy set the week before by over three hours. But he's yeah. not finished. That i thought. No, it's easy. That you know, it looks yeah, but, easy, and it. Yeah, does but look, then you know, incredibly.
0: Yeah, and then Killian, you know, he and Ka- yeah. him and Camille swapped. You know, disciplines. He she started running hills and mountains, and he tried to do a track twenty four hour uh, mm-hmm. world record attempt. And he had to pull out. You know, so even the best have bad days. So that's what I'm yeah, saying.
1: Yeah, and it's fine. And, you know, we've said it before, haven't we? You know, vulnerability, you know, it's actually a, um, you know, strength, you know, rather than a weakness. Exactly. You know, being able to accept and express that you have felt vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's great because I I don't think without showing you know that form of vulnerability that you're not going to progress. You know which we've already alluded about.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like so, I said, you know, last time there's there are people I know who are, you know I read their blogs, um, yeah. not necessarily part of their social circles. Where you read their blog and yeah. every single race is is a success, even when yeah. they do a bad. You know, even if you know they never have a bad race, and when they have a bad time, mm. then they can blame it on something else. And I think that's where you have this whole narcissism and delusions a bit Donald Trumpy where you've never done a bad mm-hmm. thing well I'll tell you what yes you did you if you say oh yeah was, it's taken me an extra hour to run this marathon it was probably a hard marathon admit it or you weren't fully trained or your mind wasn't fully in it and whatever the reason is just live with your reasons you know you, you're not helping anyone least of all yourself by denying that we all have bad races and we all do have bad races so yeah you know some of us pull out of them some of us finish them you know i've got plenty of races where i i'm not proud of how i did but i still finished and the, ultimately that's that's the only important statistic
1: well there's and you know it's um something that we you know do you know challenge ourselves with um possibly too much or like you said you know the people you know whether it's on social media or you know do blog entries or youtube channels and it's that. Like, one race after the next is the perfect one. And the organisers put on a perfect race as well. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it gives people false hope sometimes. Like, you know, you're constantly chasing PB after PB, which that is not, you know, running in itself. You know, it goes beyond that, you know. And it's fine to say, you know what, that was shit. You know, I'm happy to say that it was shit. If you don't mm-hmm. like hearing it, well, you don't have to listen to me. You know, and it's um, probably um, something that, um, you know, we'll move on to now, Herndarin. You know, I've just got a couple more questions for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it potentially could get controversial, this, but it's you know what? Get, you, you know, know what I've got absolutely no threshold, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, what, what I want, what, what I'd like to know from, from you is um, what is a common myth about running that you'd like to debunk? Um
0: uh common myth about running see, I'm not going to do the obvious one that it's it's cheap because it's not it's very expensive i think <laughs> um, um uh I would what i debar i don't know what's the myths? um I would probably say that um there are leggings out there that people say help your running because they're infrared <laughs> and apparently well I actually liken mm. the they they sort of take all the energy from the this surrounding area. You know, for me, that's like so. You're getting magic from the rest of the cosmos that's helping you run fast. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't buy into much of this bullshit. To be fair, I think I think the, wor- the worst thing that I would say is gels. I I have a massive issue with gels um, because mm. I think loads of people rely on them. I remember when I first started running. Um, one of the uh, senior executives uh, of what the probably the most famous uh, gel brand in this country uh, took multiple gels to get his parkrun PB, um, and just had to destroy really? him because it's like this is not the message you want to be telling people. You don't want to have to rely on gels to get through a 5k. I don't care how, f- I mean, your body's not mostly going to process it by the time you've run it. I mean, I'm on a 20 something minute 5K. I'll be lucky if it's into my bloodstream by the time I finished. So, having multiple ones, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think for me, other than psychological crutches, which we all need, just don't ever rely on anything other than yourself. Uh, that's what I, what I would say when it comes to, comes uh. to gels uh, or relying on, you know, calf sleeves probably don't need them um i wear them from time to time rolled down just in case i cramp up uh i don't wear them because they don't make me faster uh much like nike next plus don't make me faster because i can't get my feet in them but if i could get my feet in i still doubt they'd make me go faster um i don't know um when it comes to other myths It's, it's, it's a placebo as well isn't it
1: you know, it, it is a placebo. And you, you, I love the fact that you said, you know, with leggings, you know, you, you look at some of the costume, you know, behind these leggings, and it's like, where these leggings? They will eradicate your shin splints. It's like, well, no, but you, you can't just put on some lycra and expect it to eradicate, you know, whatever injuries or niggles you've got. You know, just like with gels, you know, I think there is a too much of a reliance that gels will get you through a longer race. And I just think, me, you know, if you're getting the likes of John Kelly, who's you know completed the barclay marathons eating a pot noodle part way through at ultra see baseball. i'm not too sure if it's good enough for that. him I'm it's good sure. enough for me
0: i'm not too sure i could do oh, I, could. I, I'll I'll do might
1: I be
0: having a full <laughs> I'll do, yeah i'll draw my, my line i'll have a pork pie i'll just draw my line draw the line at a pot noodle um yeah but it's a lot of things i'll tell you what you know i, I think you and i wanted to talk about gait analysis at some point so i want to tell you my experience of gait analysis now right oh, okay, yes. okay so when i first started running um, I went to a famous UK running shop, upon which I based my online pseudonym. Um, work that one out. Um, and basically, you know, I walked in. I looked at the top line, the top row of shoes and the prices. And I think the most expensive was the latest pair of Brooks Adrenaline. And the guy put me onto the treadmill. I ran for a few minutes and then it came off and it recommended that i buy the latest pair of brooks adrenaline um which gave me shin splints more niggles per race than i've Mm -hmm. ever experienced before um i got injuries over the year i was in itb hell for about a year i had to go to a physio to sort out my itb and they were like well you're wearing completely the wrong shoes but I had my gait analysed by the experts at a particular running mm. shop, uh, and then so basically, uh, in the end, I, I then said, "Okay, fine." I uh, because of because of my PF rather than that, I ended up doing ultra, and then on, and then back to Nike, and then I yeah. decided to go. Um, I went to Profeat in Fulham, and it's they're quite big on social media. Profeet, because what they do, they do ski boots as well as running shoes, and they make you walk and run over all of these sensor pads on the floor and it shows you where you know the hit the hot spots are where you put all of your yeah. your weight and how your weight distribution you know changes as you as you run and as you walk and so basically i, I did barefoot and they said okay fine we got all these baseline and then now run it wearing your current shoes so i ran it on my current shoes and they said to be fair we've got really expensive running shoes here but those ones are right for you So, in fact, we just charge you for the cost of the the analysis. We're not going to try to sell you any shoes. Mm -hmm. And when we can try to sell you some insoles, because one foot supranates and the other one pronates. And, you know, but to be fair, that's going to change the way that you run so much that you're literally going back to, you know, back to square one. And we don't want to do that because you're clearly okay wearing that kind of quite flat, quite wide running shoe that doesn't have a massive toe to heel drop so that's it we're not gonna even try to sell you new shoes and so i've had two experiences that are polar opposites but my issue i guess with that is that much like the whole myth of you know gels and all these other things and infrared cosmic uh, leggings people believe it and they don't question it People need to question or get a wider um, wider group of people involved in their decision-making when it comes to these things. Um, much like, you know, people go online and say, how do yeah, I cure my, my PF? They ask their Twitter following, and suddenly a couple of experts come <laughs> back. Um, people, people ask me how do they cure they their PF, and I can only say, well, this is how I did and I went through physios and osteos and K-laser and dry needling and, you know, all these different things, you know. And in the end, this is the only thing that worked for me. I'm not going to say it's going to work for you, but this is what yes. works for me. And you can try it. And I would, you know, I would say, fine, try it. If it works, it does. If it doesn't, then try something else. And that's no, true when it comes to most of yeah. us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely true that, and you know, we we sometimes got to be mindful, you know, when we're giving other people advice, it's only what works for us, you know. And you, I, I did see that, you know, you, you know, you said I and for me, you know, and I, I think we do, you know, sometimes rely on these running influencers who say that every shoe that they put on the feet is the perfect one, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, it might be perfect for you, which you know, I find hard. To believe, anyway, you know every running shoe is not perfect. You know there's always some form of improvement that can be taken from one shoe. Or what I don't like is when they bring out the new model and it's worse than the previous one. But anyway, that's <laughs> an, another subject. Yeah, it but is I, I think subject. with gait analysis, it, well, it is, and you know, gait analysis. You know, um, I think it is helpful, but you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket because all you are doing is jumping up and down on the spot, and it's it's good to gauge, you know, what your you know, running form is like, but, you know, do, you know, I think a treadmill in a running shop, are they truly interested in your running form or are they just more interested in selling you a shoe? And, you know, I I had issues with um, a um, shoe, which was, brooks running shoe um, funnily enough and you know that caused me to have earned quite a lot of champagne and you know mm-hmm. within like you know two or three runs i thought they're not for me and then i'm stuck with her my shoe that i spent over 100 pounds on and it's, it's also taken into account account for me because you know there, there hasn't been enough science into gait analysis because like, like i've mentioned there and you're jumping up and down on the spot you're not pulling mm-hmm. yourself forward you know the flat. It's a flat treadmill, and you know I've I've seen I've I've heard friends of mine who they've had gait analysis done for a trail running shoe, and I think well, how that is not going to matter if you're going over different terrain, you know, up and down mountains, hills, you know, the, does gate analysis really fucking matter when it comes to a trail running shoe? Well, I I truly believe that it it doesn't because. You know your feet aren't going to be landing flatly anyway. You know, depending on what the weather conditions are like, mm. and you know what what part of the UK or beyond you you are running, you know. And um I, I think there's a balance that's to be added because you mentioned that you know the company that you went to, Pro Feet. You know, with the you know sensors on the floor, they look more into your like um, balance, don't they? And
0: you mm. know they
1: also look at your agility, which I think that's important. That's what really makes me stand up and you know walk away and think you know they truly believed in my feet rather than what money was going into their tail
0: absolutely absolutely also you got to think that you know you'd have any gate analysis in a shop that only carries four vans, maybe only a few mm-hmm. of those are going to have styles that you like only a few of those are going to have your size and you're going to come away with yeah. something and you're going to go well fine all they sell is you know they sell they sell Brooks, Asics, Nike, and 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 whatever New Balance say. And mm-hmm. there's only three shoes that are the style that you want. Only two of those are in your size. So regardless of if it's the right shoe for you, you're going to come away with something. And you know I think it yeah. was quite refreshing, feet not selling me anything. But it was just a learning curve thing. Uh, having the you know having runners need sell me something that. Didn't actually work out for me. Um, you need to spend time yeah. in these shoes. That's what I kind of like buying second-hand shoes that are already broken in. Um, my style of it, and it's completely, completely out there, <laughs> is that basically I, you know, I find a couple of shoes. I go on eBay. I buy a couple of, you know, there was one year where I just went on and just bought all these like twenty quid pair of second-hand shoes on eBay, all different types, mm-hmm. and I would just go in, run with them, and if they're any good, then I'll run with them again. If they're not, I give them away to charity so you know and then in the end that's how i got to nike flex because i didn't say oh nike flex i want those because if you go to a nike Nike store they ain't gonna try to sell you Nike flex you because know? <laughs> they are so far oh, no. down the food chain of Nike shoes they go oh, I want to go running what shoes do you want oh you know you know I want I want road shoe please and then they're going through all of the different you know Pegasus and Lunar yeah. Glides and all of the others and then you get way down the bottom and you've got Nike free and then Nike flex at the bottom <laughs> of their food chain and they probably won't even sell them to you you know whereas those are the shoes that actually work for me and but it took me it took trial and error i've worn a lot of bad shoes in my time that have screwed up my feet the lunar glides they gave me um a morgan morton's neuroma in one of my two feet uh you know the brooks gave me chronic shin splints and itb issues so it's just find what's right for you and you know Seek advice, including professional advice, especially professional advice, but don't just listen to one person. Just, you know, make your own mind up based on a, uh, a a wider selection of opinion. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's like, you know, it's for me, what's worked more than gait analysis or, you know, even a professional's like um, opinion is I like the look of them. They look quite snazzy. I think they look good on my feet. Put them on and they've worked really well. Um, but no, you're, you're, you're like, right. And I, I'm, I'm actually going to feel quite humbled about myself because it off the back of our um, last conversation there and that um, I ended up feeling quite the running influencer because you went out and bought some Ultra Torrents. I,
0: I know,
1: I know. <laughs> I, you
0: know I, are you a running influencer or an influential runner? I, mean, I, I was questioning that as I bought them. Um, But to be fair, I've actually, you know, I've been wearing them since then. So for the whole of this new uh, marathon training program. Um, So I've been wearing them. uh, So I'll probably wear them for the first, you know, two or three road marathons next year just to just to see if they're the business. But, you know, I I listen to you, Ben. I listen to you.
1: Yeah, I just want to um, add hashtag not gifted. (laughs) And I've got um, another question for you Um, Final question And if we've got any Mm -hmm. unfinished business We can discuss after this Um, If you had a magic wand And could change anything about running for the better What would it be?
0: I would just make it more accessible I think there are things in running That even though they're not intentionally They come over as quite elitist um, I think it's not as accessible as you as people think it is. You know, I know hundreds of runners, thousands of runners, but then you'll go, yeah, but this race is eighty quid, and loads of people mm-hmm. can't afford eighty quid for a you know a run, and the you know, or this the shoes are one hundred and fifty, the latest version, or oh, two hundred and whatever it is for the new Nike Next whatever's, that stops it being accessible. It's not an even playing yeah. field. It's not an even running field, and you know it's it's you know i i feel quite privileged because you know also i'm very spoiled you know i don't have a mortgage or kids so Mm. uh, or a car to pay for so i I can basically throw money at it for my personal enjoyment um but I, i i think there are people out there who who deserve to to enjoy running and you know it it should be something that is accessible to everyone i park runners tried this you know anybody can turn up Mm -hmm. to their local park and run a park run um which is great but then maybe they want to do more and it's just it's just it's not as accessible as it is especially when you've got these big companies taking over all of these races you know we mentioned hackney half and and the big half in london and and you know and all these companies are suddenly jacking up the prices every year royal parks i'm sure there's people who just want to run it but you can't because it's ballot and then it's still seventy something quid. And it stops being something where you know there's lots of running charities in London and you see these people who and it's making a massive difference to their lives and their their personal mm. confidence mm. That, that they can go and actually just run. And I would just say, I don't know what, guys, here's a race. I'm gonna sign you all up for it. You know, so you can experience that. Yeah. The running the running's great the great progression, but can you imagine how, what you'd get out of going and actually taking part in something? Because it's supposed to be massively inclusive. And if yeah, it's inclusive, uh, I think, I think you it should be part of that.
1: Um, but, yeah, it's sometimes that word inclusivity gets gets thrown around too much. And, you know, um, it, it, it's it's great points that you're making there. Because it's, um, you know, the shoes alone, you know, they're expensive and you're thrown around, well, running's free. It's like, well, it is free until you want to start you know, buying that better shoe that is going to support your whole body, you know, and Mm -hmm. it is free until you decide, I want to enter a race and get that race day experience. And, you know, to to the next step, you know, I want to join a running club and yeah, there there is some cost behind running clubs and a majority of running clubs. And that's, you know, with, you know, my current venture, you know, set up a run crew where there's no cost behind it. You know, Mm -hmm. where what you see is what you get, just turn up and go running. But it's also, you know, it's not inclusive, you know, in regards to the elitist a- aspects, you know, in my opinion, you're always going to get people that are just going to be smashing out incredible times, and I take my hat off to them. You know, because um, I, I am—I'm I- not inspired by them, but you know, I do respect them. You know, because they are terrific runners. But you know, typically, a lo- lot of the time when people are walking through the doors of a running club, it's usually, you know, the first couple of questions is what's your five B 5B- and five K PB or what's your 10k time, you know, it's not really inclusive. And I think there needs to be more running clubs where there is no cost behind it. You know, people get put off. You know, I've heard, um, you know, a handful of people when I was chairperson at a running club, you know, um, why they wouldn't want to sign up. And, you know, it was £15 a year. And, you know, to some people, £15 is a lot, you know, it's the difference between... You know, um, going running with a collective of people, which is just a group of people running to actually putting food in the cupboards, you know, it's massive. And what one thing I enjoyed, um, you know, um, around um, it's an it, ex um, NBA player called Stephen Marbury. And, you know, he had um, a very um, tough upbringing, you know, and he said, you know, all oh, basketball, you know, a lot of kids in the US, um, you know, enjoy it. And I'm not a particular fan of basketball, but. I appreciated what he did to make it more accessible and inclusive for younger people and adults from underprivileged backgrounds because he created his own, you know, um, brand of basketball shoe and it cost $20 for Mm. a shoe. And, you know, there was um, studies into it and they cut through the middle of his shoe compared to an expensive night basketball shoe. And they said the quality, you, you, you can't even tell the difference. So, you know, I think it needs to be more accessible and inclusive. And we need to stop using the word word inclusive so much because there is a lot of hurdles to jump over. You know, when you made that decision, Mm -hmm. I want to become more immersed in the world of running.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can see why, you know, it, it does draw people to applying for, you know, applying for those groups you know the asics and the and the brooks mm. groups so, you know it they, they want something out of it that you and i don't necessarily want but for some people yeah. it's like it's a ton of free kit and yeah. you know kits not cheap you know especially you know i like stuff that fits me <laughs> for a start being a chubby <laughs> hobbit and 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 it's hardy because when i'm you know running you know through a mountain or or, or for 10 hours, you know, mm. through woods and stuff. I want something that's going to be hardy. So, you know, I do like to buy the slightly more, uh, it's expensive only because it, it's high quality. So, you know, you buy Salomon and you buy almond, you you know, raid light and the yeah. like, and you buy it because, because it's going to, um, it's, it's, it's hardy and it does what you need it mm. to do. I can't go to JD sports and spend five on something that's going to fall off me in the middle of a race. Um, mm, mm. and, and, you know, that's where I. That's 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 away from the bit we just talked about. That's that's more like specific, you know, more hardcore running where you're, you know. But the accessibility thing is is so true. But I can see why people want to join a an online influencer in ambassadorship because they are yeah. going to get that free kit. They aren't massively inclusive those those groups you know i've seen th- occasionally over the course of the year they show you this is this is the latest crop and you mm. go yeah i mean actually i know probably 90% of these people but you know they've yeah. actually taken a few people that are you know maybe maybe not so you know not so far down their running journey or they they're quite new to it or they're doing it for different reasons and i can see why people do it um, yeah but uh it's just that's just not for me as far as the inclusion thing it's great that you're doing that running group I have trouble with running with other people so I I really wouldn't do that but I'm more than happy to always sponsor people to run a race I I might actually do one off the back of this one actually but I'm going to make them do something yeah I think what they'll Mm. do oh yeah I'm going to come up with a competition uh to do with my podcast and if uh if the, the winner can, I'll, I'll just sign up, sign them into whatever waste they want in the UK next year, because I think. Hat that me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: the most expensive half marathon in the UK, and ask. they can have, you and know, they can, and sense. they
0: can have VIP entry to it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just... Yeah. Well, I think that's um, fantastic. Way to finish, you know. Before we do get too controversial, we start mudslinging. Which, to, to be honest, David, I'm not um, too fussed about. Um, but you know, we've um, covered a hell of a lot here, and you know, if I'm entirely honest with you, probably could come back for part three.
0: <laughs> uh, part
1: three with alcohol.
0: Oh, you know what? We should just do it with alcohol without the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think one of the questions, the, one of the the only thing that I wanted to mention uh, that. We were. Good, we were. Mm. It actually was on our original script of questions was to do with running coaches. Um, and now I'm oh, not gonna yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. going to say Yeah, I'm going to open
1: up a can kind of work. No, no, it's, a, dif- it's a different, it.
0: it's a different angle. Different angle. Um, I'm only going to say it based on what I've done, um, rather than yeah, everyone's a running coach now, um, which they are. Yeah. Um, But, you know, fair fair play to them. You know, some of them have actually gone on and done the exams and they're actually quite good and they're starting, Mm. you know, their own run groups like you are and some of them are qualified run leaders. Uh, I'm not and I don't plan to be. However, my personal experience about coaches, I had a coach for Berlin, Beth, who is a professional running coach from the US, and she was just trying out her new remote coaching so she gave me a plan uh, electronically. Uh, I got it once every month, and then she would email me, and we'd DM all the time. I guess in the modern days, we would, we would Skype or Zoom or whatever. And that really got me through Berlin. And then for my first 12 in 12, uh, Sean Dixon, who uh, is a coach for Reebok, um, I, I signed up for his, his uh, training plan. And he basically just asked you, what's your target races, and what races do you have? over the course of the year and what do you want to do in them and he literally on a on a daily or weekly basis engages with you about these are the this is the training you need to do and and how are you doing and he catches up with you and all of that business and and he kind of definitely got me through my first 12 in 12 but now based on all of that I have a phone app that does it all for me (laughs) so it's like
1: Four uh, well um, you, you can actually you can actually name that because I, I've seen a couple of them I actually use one myself um, and which one is it it's just out of interest that you use uh,
0: Zenny labs I think it is and, yeah and it's like 4.99 a month um yeah. to get the whole plan and the plan actually includes the race day at the end of 18 weeks and what it does is you know it links to your apple music on your phone uh, or any music on your phone so it's playing your running playlist anyway and then every so often a robot voice tells you to start walking or how long you've got, or how far you've gone and all these different things and that's what i need i need a i need a vocal reminder to prompt me to do this or do that or keep running or stop running or take a breather or you know, look within myself or whatever. And it's really working for me. I mean, it's $4.99 a month, but um, the first two weeks are free if you just want to try it out. Not you, but anyone wants to try it out. And it's, you know, it's called Zenny Labs. They've got a couch to 5K, a 10K and a half app as well. And I'm really enjoying it. So I've actually had good experiences personally with electronic and real coaches, Mm. And you can find the right coach for you, but I would say, I don't know, shop around.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just like um, running shoes, isn't it? It's, it's trial and error. You know, it's just it's just like friendships and relationships. You know, you're not going to, you know, if you, you know, decide to have an online running coach or one in person or somebody who's very accessible and approachable, you know, and that that's great if you find that. Perfect running course first time, but I think the likelihood is is you, you're not going to just like the perfect pair of running shoes, you know. And um, I, I, I like the on, I like the virtual apps and you know websites you can use because you can adapt them to your needs, you know. So it's not like right, this is this a bespoke plan. We want you running on Wednesday, Tuesday, and Saturday morning. And it's like well, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you might have children and you know you can't run on those days. So you know, it's having somebody who can adapt to you know, the other, you know, responsibilities in your life. Um, but yeah, it's um, shopping around, isn't it? Window shop. If it's not for you, you, you've got to be honest, haven't you? So, you know, it's not working out between us, just like you would do with a girlfriend or boyfriend.
0: Absolutely. And i think the app at the moment, you can basically tick off a day where it isn't because it doesn't know what the date is. Mm-hmm. So, so like two days ago, I had to work and I was supposed to run that day. So I just ticked off the next rest day. So, you know, you, you just, you, you know, I'm shaping it to around my actual day-to-day life. And I think I have to run on Tuesday next because tomorrow is a rest day.
1: Yay! <laughs> yeah, I do I do prefer more rest days than running days, um, <laughs> you know, if I'm entirely honest. So um, what we'll do, we'll finish off. But um, for anyone who has decided to tune in for part two only, where can everybody find you?
0: Uh, they can find me at the hundred marathon podcast, which is available in all the good news agents and stockists, uh, or also <laughs> on Apple music. Um, I, if you've got an Apple, uh, then I would go on to, I think it's called, what is it called? What is there? Like, uh, is, uh, iPodcasts it called. It's called. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm also runners I'm runners knees on Twitter, but I don't go on there because it is so angry. Um I'm also Runner's Knees on Instagram. So uh just look for Runner's Knees. That's that will be me, no matter where you find me. Uh <laughs> not, not, not not Facebook. I don't do Facebook anymore. That's just that's just a dark place for me.
1: <laughs> that's brilliant, Darren. Well um, I want to thank you once again for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure and with a doubt I'm sure that some time in the future we'll be back for part three. Yeah, why not? Okay, all the best. You take care. Take it easy, Ben. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Carbs Rue Leffing Around podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Darren as much as I did. If you found that it resonated with you, please spread the word on social media and leave a review on apple podcast if you're enjoying the carbs rule podcast please ensure you hit the subscribe button so you're kept in the loop on future episodes on the next episode i'll be joined by agatha for a conversation that i'm really excited to share with you until then keep it real and keep on doing your thing